This is the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. This summer, we are studying Jeremiah and Lamentations. I'm Amber Vaden, your host, and today I'm joined by Mike Livingston. Mike serves as an editor on our Explore the Bible team. He also leads a Bible study at his church using Explore the Bible and brings loads of teaching experience to our discussion today. So thank you for being here today, Mike. Thanks for having me. We're always glad to have you. Uh, Today we're looking at session eight, where we will be studying Jeremiah 31, verses 23 through 34. So each week in our resources, we include an outline uh, that just offers a brief glimpse at the verses and the main, kind of the main parts of what will happen in each verse. This just allows you as a group leader to kind of get an overall perspective uh, in, in your group members as well. So the first part of our study today, we're looking at Jeremiah 31 verses 23 through 26. Here, God told Jeremiah of a day when Israel would be restored and be a place of blessing. God's presence would ensure righteousness, holiness, and peace. After this, Jeremiah awoke from his sleep, finding pleasure in God's declaration. In verses 27 through 30, God declared to Jeremiah that he would rejuvenate the land, watching over it with care. He would pursue restoration with the same intensity as he had pursued judgment, and no one would feel as if they were being held accountable for the sins of another generation, since they would be accountable to God for their own sin. And then finally, in verses 31 through 34, God announced that he would make a new covenant. He would place his teaching within them, writing it on their hearts. All his people would know him, and he would forgive their sins, never recalling their iniquities. Our summary statement for the whole session today is this. God is working to bring about the redemption of his people. Well, let's just jump into our very first question. What is the new covenant and how does the new covenant compare to the old covenant? Yeah, before before I actually get into that specific question, I, I, I just I do want to mention that this is the the lesson this quarter that we have designated as the evangelistic lesson and there's always one there's always one that we designate the evangelistic emphasis it doesn't mean this is the only place you know during the study that you'll find you know the, an evangelistic emphasis but this is the lesson where we we really want to emphasize that. and i think you'll see why as we get into this passage and we'll come back um more here in a few minutes, I think, and, and talk about how this passage just points us to the gospel in, in, in so many ways. So we want to keep that in mind. Uh, but now, as far as far as your question goes, you're like, okay, what what's the new covenant? How does that compare to the old covenant? When when we naturally, as believers, we naturally read this passage about the new covenant in Jeremiah through the lens of the New Testament. Yes. That's that's normal. That's natural. I mean, New Testament means new covenant. It's just the Latinized form of new covenant. I mean, uh, so it's it's just it's natural and, and right that we read this through through the lens of the New Testament as New Testament believers. And Jesus used the term 
uh, new covenant in, in as he had the you know the last supper uh, with his disciples he took the cup and he said this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you and uh, also uh, in the book of Hebrews chapter 8 it quotes uh, Jeremiah 31 31 to 34 it quotes that entire passage in Hebrews 8 8 through 12 and that's the longest continuous quotation of any Old Testament passage in the New Testament uh, is, is right there, quoting quoting from Jeremiah 31. So it's, it's right for us to look at this through the lens of what the New Testament tells us, and it, because it points to Jesus, it points to the cross um, through which this new covenant would be established. However, having said all that, I think it's really important that we read it first through the through the ears, the eyes and the ears of those who first heard it. Yes. Those who first heard these words or first read them in Jeremiah's book. Context is always important. So we don't want to just jump to the application. We always want to look at the context, both the literary context, what comes before and after it, and in the historical context. And this this is in these verses are in a section that really it really begins in chapter 30. And you may notice that in, in your Explore the Bible resources that the, the context for this session is chapters 30 to 33. That's that's the larger context passage that we're looking at. And this is a passage that was written uh, in the final days of Nebuchadnezzar's siege of Jerusalem. And, and the people... Uh, of Jerusalem, the people of of, um, of Judah are they're they're realizing by this point that everything Jeremiah has prophesied uh, about this this invasion that's coming from the north, uh, the destruction of the city, the destruction of the temple. They they're, they're seeing all these things happen that that Jeremiah has been talking about. And they and they know the reason now. They know the reason why all this is happening to them because Jeremiah has told them over and over and over that this was God's judgment on their continual rejection of Him, the refusal to listen to Him, to obey His message, persistently breaking the covenant, breaking the law. Uh, and so they're seeing all these things happen, just as Jeremiah has been saying. But in that context, there is this word of hope. There is a word of hope in all this. And you see that throughout, especially in these um, this larger context passage, starting in chapter 30. In chapter 30, verse 7, he says, How awful that day will be. There'll be no other like it. It'll be a time of trouble for Jacob, but he'll be saved out of it. He will be saved out of it. So there is judgment coming, but yet there's something beyond Right? There's hope beyond that, that God is going to deliver his people from exile, from captivity. He's going to restore them to their land. So it talks uh, using the language of a, there's going to be a new exodus. There's going to be a new entry into the promised land after the exile. Uh, he says in chapter 30, verse 3, I'll restore them to the land I gave to their ancestors. Um, verse 17 of chapter 31, your children will return to their own territory. So there's there's a word uh, concerning hope beyond the judgment that there will be really a new exodus and, and a new 
uh, entry into the land of promise. But if all they received was the repossession of the land, then <clears throat> what really is what really is, will have changed? What would keep them from falling into the same patterns of sin mm-hmm. and rebellion? and breaking their covenant with God as they had done again and again and again in in their history. So if there's going to be any real hope and real future for them, it could only be if God, if when God initiates something utterly new. So in chapter 31, verse 31, this new thing, Jeremiah says, this new thing is going to be a new covenant that there's not going to be just a change of address but there's going to be a change in their hearts. They they had persistently broken God's law, not because there's something wrong with the law, but because there was something wrong with them. There was something wrong in their hearts. And that's what the new covenant was going to address. Um, So how, how is this different from the old covenant? Uh, How do you, how do you contrast compare, compare the two in verse 33? It says, God says, I'll put my teaching in them, within them, and write it on their hearts. The word for teaching is actually the word Torah. Uh, I'm going to put it in their hearts. So the day was coming, God says, when he's going to change the hearts of the people so that they would be capable of obedience. He's going to write it on their hearts um, so they would understand what it means to live for him and they would have a God-given desire and ability to do that. You know, in biblical mm-hmm. thought, the heart was not just where your emotions lie. The heart was the seed of your will. We think, we choose, we decide in the heart. And Jeremiah wasn't the only prophet who talked about how God was going to do something in people's hearts and change their hearts. Ezekiel talked about this in Ezekiel 36 talks about how God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. And I'll remove your heart of stone and, and, and give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit in you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. So what, what Jeremiah, both Jeremiah and Ezekiel are talking about here with a change of heart and having a new heart is really what, is what the New Testament calls regeneration, mm-hmm. new birth. Um, and so when when Jesus had that conversation with Nicodemus that night in John chapter three, and Jesus is explaining, you know, this this, this work of how the how, how the Spirit will change people's hearts, and that's what people need is like Nicodemus was confused, and Nick and Jesus said, Nicodemus, how can you, a teacher of the law, not know these things? How do you not know these things? likely an allusion to that passage in Ezekiel and about a new heart and, and a new spirit. So, so that this wasn't anything new uh, mm-hmm. really for, for Nicodemus shouldn't have been because it's right here in Jeremiah and, and in Ezekiel it is God is saying, I'm going to do something totally new. I'm going to change. I'm going to transform your hearts. Yeah. How do both the old and new covenants point to the need of a savior? And how is the gospel seen in verses 31 through 34? Yeah, they both, um, kind of like what I said a minute ago, um, kind of pick up on on that, that both of them point to a need for a heart change. Mm-hmm. 
beyond beyond just a superficial change of the outside it, it both of them speak to the need for us to be changed internally mm-hmm. that that the problem is the problem of the human heart and there's <clears throat> there's a word interesting word that Jeremiah uses in several places uh he uses it in this in this context passage uh in chapter 30 um and other places but it's a word that's that can be translated brokenness mm-hmm. broken some a verb that means to break uh it's is the hebrew word shaver and sometimes it's, it's translated injury or king james bruise or, or something like this but in, in jeremiah 30 12 for this is what the lord says your injury is incurable and it's that it's that word that means your brokenness mm-hmm what he's saying is you're broken and you can't fix it. Your brokenness is incurable. Or uh, Jeremiah 30, 15, why do you cry about your injury? That's that same word brokenness. Your pain has no cure, right? It's, it's meaning it has no cure that you can produce. Right. Yeah. So, so Jer- in Jeremiah or, you know, the, the, the old Testament and, and, and old covenant and new covenant, both, you know, speak to this, that that we are broken. The world is broken. We are broken. Uh, Jeremiah 6, 14, in the CSB, it translates that same word as brokenness. And it says there that they, the, the priests and the prophets, they have treated my people's brokenness superficially, claiming peace, peace when there's no peace. Mm-hmm. But uh, they're just denying that there's this sin problem that that we are broken that we're broken that there's a there's, there's a brokenness in people there's a brokenness in the world that only God can fix you know Jeremiah had asked in another place in in, in his book you know can can a can a leopard change his spots mm-hmm. and of course the answer was no and and his point was well you can't fix yourself either you can't fix yourself so so the message of Jeremiah, the message of the old covenant, the message of the gospel is that we need something that only God can can provide for us. Yeah. Only God can heal our brokenness. Only God can change our sinful hearts. So what they needed was, was heart change, an internal change that only God could do. And that's what the new covenant promised. That's what the gospel promises a transformation of the heart apart from works. Each week we point out a key doctrine. And so this is a good place to point this one out for this week. Uh, the key doctrine is salvation. And Mike was just talking talking about earlier that we also hear the word regeneration uh, when we're discussing that idea um, or also the new birth. Um, it is the work of God's grace in our lives where he uh, makes us new creatures in Christ. Uh, and so it's, this is a good, this is a good lesson to, to pause and kind of explain that clearly to your group. Uh, if you uh, have a moment, if, if you have a, an opportunity to do this, it could even be a good opportunity to invite a group leader or, I mean, I'm sorry, to invite a group member to give a brief uh, testimony of how they came to faith in Christ. Uh, so just explaining that clearly, I think we we might just assume everyone knows how to come to faith in Christ, but 
that's probably not an assumption we need to make. And so this is a great uh, session to really clarify that for your group. Even even if uh, everyone in your group is is a Christian, uh, it could be a way of clarifying it in a simple way that they could then put in their own words as they talk to you know, a neighbor, a family member who maybe doesn't know Christ. It is it is worth spending just a little bit of time to talk about that doctrine and what God's word teaches us about salvation. This is a great passage to do that. Uh, in verse 29, we find a proverb. Uh, how had the Jews mis- misinterpreted this proverb, Mike, and how did Jeremiah correct their misunderstanding? Mm-hmm. And the, the proverb was, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. Uh, so that was uh, apparently a, a popular proverb because even Ezekiel addresses this same proverb and, and the same misunderstanding. And, and it's worth saying that Ezekiel and Jeremiah were contemporaries, that they prophesied during approximately the same time. So this was something that both prophets needed to address. And Ezekiel even does it in greater detail than Jeremiah does. But it's a proverb that reflected the belief that they, people were being punished unfairly because of the sins of the previous generations. So in effect, they're saying we're innocent or, or at least we don't deserve what we're getting, that we're being we're, we're being punished because of what our forefathers or previous generations did. That was the misunderstanding. That misunderstanding, it... <clears throat> Hard to say where that came from, but it might have been based on a wrong understanding of Exodus 20, verse 5. In there in the Ten Commandments, where where the Lord says, I'm a jealous God, bringing the consequences of the Father's mm-hmm. iniquity on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Uh, and we don't have time, you know, to go into that verse in any great detail. But that's a verse that's been widely misunderstood in the same way uh, that Jeremiah is addressing here. It, it it does not mean that God punishes an innocent generation for the sins of, of the previous generation. It's not what it's saying. It, it's it's saying uh, rather that if, if the children continue committing the sins their parents committed, they're going to receive the same punishment as their parents, basically is what it's saying. And, he, and Moses even said, um, Moses and Deuteronomy 24, 16, he said, fathers are not to be put to death for their children. Children are not to be put to death for their fathers. Each person will be put mm-hmm. to death for his own sin. So even, you know, Moses clarified it um, there. And that's what Jeremiah is doing here. He's he's clarifying this um, but, and, and correcting, he's correcting their misunderstanding in verse 30. He, he corrects it when he says, rather, each mm-hmm. will die for his own iniquity. So he's saying each person is going to be punished or judged for his or her own sins, not for the sins of of someone else. Um, so if you are it, 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 what what you're experiencing, Jeremiah says, are are the, it's the consequences of your sin, and and not what someone else did. Now <clears throat> mentioned earlier, you know th- this is the evangelistic lesson. And, and, and I love how in, in the personal study guide, it, it talks about how every person is accountable for his or her own sins, that we are all going to be held accountable for our sins. And I, and I really like the statement that it makes 
that the only person in history who vicariously bore the punishment of others by suffering and dying for their sins and not his own was the sinless Lord Jesus. That Jesus became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So speaking to the point of of this verse, these verses we're talking about here, um, there's only one who bore the sins of others to the point that he died for them, and that's Jesus. So again, here is a, here's a passage in Jeremiah that from beginning to end just points us to the gospel. Yes. It just points us to the need for the gospel. It points us to, to Jesus and what he did for us. Before we go, let me remind you about Extra. Each week, we identify a current news event and describe a way of using that news story to introduce or conclude the group time. The file is free, and you can find these ideas on the Explore the Bible website. Just type in goexplorethebible.com slash leader extras, and it will take you to the page, and you can click on uh, the session that you're preparing to lead. And that's where you'll find that extra idea. Mike, thank you for joining me today. This has been really a helpful discussion. Thank you. I've I've enjoyed it so much. Thanks for asking. We appreciate it. Next week, we will be discussing Jeremiah 35, verses 5 through 19 with Bob Bunn. Bob is another editor on our Explore the Bible team. He always brings great insight, so you don't want to miss that.